But in the 10th step, he gives us an action, and it's not patience, it's restraint. I love that word because it tells me I'm going to have all of those emotions. I'm going to get PO'd. I'm going to get scared. I'm going to know lust. I'm going to know that I have to restrain myself, mainly of pen and tongue. And I tell my people today and of Facebook and of emails, just don't write that junk. Uh, restrain yourself until you can surrender to the actions of the 10th step. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. That was the voice that many of you will recognize of Mr. Gary Kay that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment. But first things first, this episode right here, right now, is brought to you by Tiffany and Gerhard. You know what Tiffany and Gerhard did? They went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They clicked on the Donate tab and they made a contribution. Thank you so much, Tiffany and Gerhard, for your generosity. This episode is coming right out to you guys. All right. I, ladies and gents, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. And I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. All right, just a couple of announcements here before we get into Gary Kay's episode. We do have another Soap Speak Live episode schedule, and the next one coming up, uh, it's a way off. It's a March 20th, and uh, we are going to be featuring Sumera S., from the Clean Air North group here in North Texas. Uh, and that's going to be March 20th, Friday at 7 p.m. And all of that info is on our website, www.soberspeak.com, if you want to go there. But it will be held at Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas, once again. And the one after that is going to be on June 5th, uh, Friday at 7 p.m. also. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be with Mr. David. David G. Many of you have written in to me and commented regarding David G's uh, episodes in the past, and he will be live and in the flesh on June the 5th. And I'll have more information about that later. But I have had many people after the beginning of the year here asking me, um, how can we actually subscribe to your podcast, John? How do we actually, uh, how? 
how, what's the best way to go about subscribing to it and listening to it and making sure I get notifications on all the new episodes coming out. And you can go to several different places, folks. You can go to Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes. That's what people with Apple devices usually do. You can go to Google Podcasts. Uh, Android people go there a lot. Uh, Spotify, a lot of folks listen to that uh, app. Uh, Stitcher, Podbean, Tune in or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Uh, and if you don't remember any of that, just go to our, our website, soberspeak.com, and there are links to all of the aforementioned on the website. Uh, and I haven't said this in a while, but if you want to, uh, uh, you want an easy way to do this? You can text the word sober, S O B E R, to 31996, and you'll receive a link to both the Google Podcast and the Apple Podcast. And you can also add your name to our email list if you would like to do such. So, uh, a couple more things. If you want to join our super secret Facebook group, it is uh, free. And all you got to do is send me your email associated with your Facebook account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com, and we will get you out the invite. There are uh, um, many, many, uh, hundreds and hundreds. I think we're up to like 850 or so people. Uh, amazing, like-minded friends of Bill W., Al-Anon, and other 12-step programs in there. And we would love to have you along for the ride. If you're not following us on Instagram, I'm at at SoberSpeak, all one word. All right, now on to Mr. Gary K, because we have a, a ton of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Gary K, our friend of the podcast, is going to be addressing uh, step 10. And as Gary mentions in this ep episode, step 10 is not for extra credit. <laughs> uh, he talks about restraint of tongue and pen, uh, he talks about pages 14 and 15 and page 25 in the big book a lot. And I know you are going to, as you always do, enjoy this episode with Mr. Gary Kay. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. Gary Kay. Enjoy this. And once again, I'll have a lot of listener feedback at the end of this. Okay, everybody. So today we are sitting here with Mr. Gary K. So, Mr. Gary K, why don't we start it out by having you introduce yourself? By the way, this is the same Gary K, if you've been listening for a while, that has been on the podcast many times. So, Gary, why don't you introduce yourself and give you sobriety date if you choose, sir? Sure. I am an alcoholic. My name's Gary K. Uh, home group is in Sulphur Springs, Texas. I'm really, 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 really grateful for a sobriety date and a new life that started July 25th of 1994. July 25th, 1994. All right. So last time we left off, Gary, we, we did steps three through nine. Uh, and so that leaves us 10, 11, 12. And as we talked about when this began, we're not exactly sure where we're going to get within that 10, 11, 12. 
we may get all the way through. We may get partway through, Tim. We just don't know yet. We're just going to let it kind of fly. Sounds good. Uh, but I will, you know, so I have noticed you uh, in the secret Facebook group that we have quite a bit lately. Uh, you do a lot of posts in there and such. And I wanted to get kind of your general impressions of what it's like to be in that Facebook group and to be posting and, and what you notice amongst the other folks within the group. I've enjoyed the participation in the group. What I do each morning is in my morning time, whatever I'm looking at that day, I'll post. Uh, And then generally in the afternoons, I usually post a second time and try to do something just funny uh, because I believe we have to laugh mostly at ourselves. Right. But I've noticed a, a good mixture of new people and of some people with some time and, uh, that's the kind of AA I like to be a part of. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I've noticed as well. Well, we thank you for being in there and uh, uh, adding to the group. All right, so let's uh, go on to steps 10, 11, and 12. All right, so step number 10, we continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Correct. So what are your initial thoughts on that? What have you... What's your insight throughout the years uh, when you talk about this, maybe a group level, what do you usually share about? Well, the first thing, steps 10 and 11 are not for extra credit. (laughs) Uh, They are the ongoing program, and I've never called it the maintenance program. It's always a continuing level of of surrenders and of growing. Uh, The first thing I'd like to share on that is I was thinking about as I was coming over, and this is particularly for the new people. There is a uh, part of Bill's story that for me is just critical to both 10 and 11, and it's something that we can start doing right away. And I particularly notice when people early on are saying that they're struggling or they're thinking about drinking or, you know, things are coming up. This is vital, and you read it in Bill's story on pages 14 and 15. And it says, The alcoholic that fails to enlarge and perfect their spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others cannot meet, and I love the way he says this, the certain trials and low spots which lie ahead. Bill never does pull his punches. And what I was shown, and and what I was really made to do early on was, um, it's my belief, how long do you have to be in AA before you start working with others? About 30 minutes. (laughs) And the thing that saved me early on was my sponsor had me go and greet everybody I didn't know. And then if somebody introduced themselves as new, he wanted me to go greet them and to get their phone number. And I'll hear people say, I'm thinking about drinking. What should I do? And people will respond, you know, pray to ask God to remove the compulsion or whatever. But the book says, because Bill on page 15 says that, and new, if you're new, listen to this. This is the guy that had the white light experience in his hospital room, the immediate awakening to God. But he writes on 15 for the first 18 months. I was full of bitterness and resentment. My health wasn't good. I couldn't get a job. And all this nearly drove me back to drink. But a trip to the hospital to work with the new man there always saved the day. So I really want to 
you know, encourage people to never not let that be a part of your 10 and 11. Because in the 10th step, it specifically asks us to do that. And in the 11th step, when we get there, you know, the spiritual growth is not just so I can feel better about myself and all of that. It's so I can be of service. And you start doing that. I started doing that early on, but just saying to people that were newer than me, come sit with me. And then when I had one of those moments late at night where I'm, you know, particularly in the first nine or ten weeks, uh, I was taught, get on the telephone, call one of those people and encourage them. And by getting out of self, that idea of drinking just always dissipated. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first thing that I would tell folks to put pages 14 and 15 really in the middle of your of your ongoing 10 and 11 work and never, never take it out. So talk about the, you know, you'll hear people talk a lot about the uh, 10 and 11, how it's kind of a, a structure for those of us who are undisciplined, you know, it tells you what to do when you get up in the morning, tells you what to do during the day, tells you what you do when you retire at night. Talk to me about your experience with that within the book. Well, first of all, it wouldn't be just those of us who are undisciplined. That would be all of us. <laughs> I've never met one of us that wasn't. Early on, I was taken to page 25. And on page 25, it says, there is a solution. And I always share with folks, I've read the book three or four times. I never find another solution. There's a solution, and that solution says almost none of us liked the self-searching. So anything that I'm going to do is going to be self-searching uh, with 10 and 11. So early on, the way I experienced it is my sponsor told me to stay on the step with him as we went through the book together. And my experience of taking people to the steps is by about week seven to 10, we should be through uh, the majority of the amends or at least in the middle level uh, that we take it out of the book, reading it out loud together and just doing the actions. So what do you say to the people that say things like first step, first year? Uh, I say you're probably killing people. Uh, that's not our book. You know, I would remind people that for me, alcoholism is not a therapeutic illness. It's a spiritual illness, mainly. It is not going to respond to therapeutic answers. It needs a spiritual answer. And that spiritual answer is achieved through trying and making an effort and hitting a lick at the 12 steps. It's not about time. It's about action taken during time. So, uh, you know, resentments could be described as, you know, just a huge cancer within me that's boiling over and coming out of all parts of my life. So, yeah, I want to wait five or six years before I get into having the tumor removed. <laughs> Don't think so. You know, I looked up on page 25 what you were talking about as we were uh – as you were speaking there, and uh, like you said, it says there is a solution. At the end of that same paragraph, it says they, it talks about that simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. 
And it also says, we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence, which, of, of which we had ne- even, not even dreamed. And so, the four, so when I would hear things like that, both the, the, the fourth dimension, and I would hear things like it talks about actually in the 10th step, like the spirit, right? We have entered the world of the spirit. It always kind of freaked me out a little bit. I mean, it sounds a little funky. What is your view of that when it talks about the fourth dimension and entering into well, the Well, there are two things there for me. One, that uh, was that what I was going to next, that simple kit of spiritual tools laid at her feet. Uh, for me, that simple kit of spiritual tools is the big book, the 12 and 12, meetings, prayer, and helping others and taking the steps. That's our tools. It's a simple kit of spiritual tools. And when I'm handed that toolkit in my first week after I detox, I'm like a four-year-old with a simple toolkit of pliers and crescent wrench and a hammer and a screwdriver. I really don't know how to use them, but the only way to use them is hopefully my dad or my brother or somebody illustrates for me how to use them, and I see them working with them, and then I pick them up and start trying to work with them. It's the same way with the tools of this program. I'm going to be starting as a toddler getting used to the tools and the tools are the steps. So the first time I go through, I'm not expecting to be a master mechanic. You know, when I do that first inventory, I'm like somebody using a pair of wire pliers for the first time, but that's enough. That's enough. But throughout my life, I'm never going to get more tools. I'm not going to get, you know, there's no, new level of Alcoholics Anonymous where we get something different. It's the same kit of spiritual tools. And the more I experience the effort to use them, the better I use them. But it's the same tools that I got in the first week. For me, that fourth dimension of existence of which I never dreamed was, you know, I may have shared this with you for this is for me. Bill lived in a time when Einstein was a rock star. Uh, All the major newspapers in the 30s had reporters covering him, and Einstein's theory, uh, in part, had been described to people as there's a new dimension of reality. Prior to this, we had height and width and depth, and those were the three dimensions of reality. Einstein said there's a fourth dimension, time. And as he explained it, Hours, months, decades, centuries, those are all constructs of time. The only reality of time is right now. So by the attempting to use these tools, I get suddenly able to live where I, and in my experience, no alcoholic has ever lived, and that's now. I've always been in the past. I've always been in the future. But the only way I could really ever get comfortable in my own skin right now was to have about four shots of whiskey. (laughs) And now, through this program, I find an ability to live now. That's my experience with it. Here and now. 
So it also talks in the 10th step about selfishness, dishonesty, resentful, and fear, taking that inventory, things that, you know, when I was a kid, uh, when I was younger, uh, the gang I was hanging with, we didn't wake up the next morning and say, okay, let's go over last night and think about where we were selfish, dishonest, resentful, or afraid. And then all of a sudden you come into Alcoholics Anonymous and we're asked to look at these things and to lift up the cover, so to speak. What happened when you first started looking at those things? Well, use your illustration of coming to the next morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I did some serious meditation most mornings, wondering what in the hell I had done the night before and how <laughs> I was going to get out of it. That's nothing more than meditation for I don't what I don't want to happen. But for the tenth step, for me, it starts on the bottom of page eighty-four. It's got the directions to what it's to do for me in my life. It says, "For by now, we've ceased fighting anything or anyone." Well, by now, uh, hence that, I'm at least halfway through and hopefully all the way through my ninth step amends, all that past that I've been trying to not deal with or afraid to deal with or didn't want to deal with or didn't know I needed to deal with, by taking these amends, that's been my side of it starting to get cleaned up. And I don't have to fight anymore. First of all, I don't have to fight liquor. People will say, when's the obsession going to leave? Well, I always tell them, look at the bottom of page 84. That's where the book talks about it. And that was my experience. You're talking about the position of neutrality? Yeah. And anybody that tells you I've been sober like me 25 years and I never think about drinking, they're either way back into delusion or they're lying to you. That's been my experience. Drinking, like anything else, becomes an occasional thought. You know, I, I don't foster it. I don't think about it. I'm not afraid of it. It's, you know, I'll just think about, wow, there's a new beer they used to not have, you right. know, or something like that. But I've also experienced over the years that I, nor any other alcoholic I ever met, ever wanted a beer or a glass of wine mm -hmm. after dinner. You know, we wanted the whole down bottle. So, but now I know that, and I'm in a place of neutrality with that. But there's an amazing thing at the top of page 85 for me. He goes through that, and, and, and hear this, new people. We haven't even sworn off. AA is not about going on the wagon. It's not about, I got to quit drinking. Remember, we don't have much luck at quitting. We've, we're all people who have quit. Uh, and not done it very well. What we do in AA is we don't quit drinking. We start taking the actions of recovery, and that stands between us and the first drink. He says the problem has been removed. That's a whole new element in a spiritual way of living for me because my life I always wanted an answer to problems, or I wanted it solved. And what AA has done for me is say, we don't have answers for you, bud. We've got a solution. And if you'll surrender to the solution that's outlined on page 25, and then you have the instructions for it throughout the rest of the book, 
If you surrender to the solution, you're going to get your answer. But my answer may not be yours. So if somebody comes to me and says, do I need to quit my job and go back to college? I don't tell them what to do. I'll take them through our solution and they find their answer. And I, that's been my experience. Well said. Very well said. We'll be continuing our conversation with Gary Kay in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the web at www.soberspeak.com. There, there you can also find the donate button on our site if and only if the spirit moves you to use it you can do such please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you the listener sober speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions we are not allied with any sect denomination politics organization or institution we do not wish to engage in any controversy neither endorse nor oppose any causes all right now back to mr gary k do you remember by chance a time where you had that epiphany of, oh my goodness, this has been removed from me. Was there a point in time? The first time that it hit me was I got sober at the end of July. And somewhere around uh, March, and that's after I had made my first amends trip back to the Dallas area, it just came to my mind of, good God, you you haven't been thinking about and fighting, uh, drinking. And I don't know the day it happened, but it, that's when I got my awareness of it. Um, I think a lot of it had to do, I think all of it had to do, the, you know, the, the grace of God is what separates me from the alcohol. My sponsor said, we're going to surround you for about 60 days to try to keep you from drinking. But if you're an alcoholic, like I'm an alcoholic, you're going to have to surrender to the steps or you won't be able to stand yourself sober. And so it was about seven or eight months when it settled into me that my problem never was and never will be alcohol. My problem always was and always will be sobriety. And it was only through the experience. I mean, and it was a five-year-old experience with wire pliers and crescent wrenches. That's the illustration I would give. But God uh, renews us through our efforts, not through our perfection at those efforts. That's been my experience. And out of that, I suddenly realized by taking those amends, by being a part of this fellowship, by trying to help some other people, I was getting pretty comfortable in my own uh, skin. Now, I didn't have any money. I had a minimum wage job. I was fixing to, my divorce was fixing to be final. I still had kids that I thought were ashamed of their father, and I was about halfway correct on that. You know, I didn't have an automobile that I could depend on, but I just had a sense of, of goodwill about myself and where I was being taken. Uh, which kind of surprised me, but it also delighted me. And it was at about that time that my sponsor sat down with me on that 10th step. And we looked at it out of the book, and we turned to that page you mentioned a moment ago, and it says, continue. Big word, continue. And he explained to me out of my experience that obviously 
I can't continue something I haven't been doing. And what I'd been doing over and over and over again on a daily basis was three through nine, three through nine, three through nine. And that had taken me up through that ninth step. And he says, now you got to continue that. You're not done with it. You're going to be doing this from now on to watch for. We continue to watch for, and it gives us those four things. Y'all can go look at the book and find those out. But, uh, two of them are particularly uh, important to me. One is dishonesty, and the other one is self-pity. Uh, so I got to continue to look for those things. And then it gives some actions to take. There are four of them. What I will hear people say all the time will I'm being drawn into this and I keep blowing up at my boss every day or my wife still, you know, I prayed about it, but God didn't do anything. Uh, so we've only done a fourth of the action. It says we ask God. That's a prayer. The next thing is we talk to somebody if we need to. Well, my sponsor pointed out to me, you need to. <laughs> <laughs> Because they had told us on 84, we've ceased fighting anything or anyone. And he said, when you're in a fight, even if it's in your mind, that's a fight. And you better not try to be your own referee. Talk to somebody about it. We make an amend or an apology if we need to at once. And going back to page 14 and 15, we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. That's the resolution. There's four parts of step 10. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't do step 10 at night in bed. I don't get in near as much trouble in bed anymore as probably I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> Most of mine is throughout the day. And so I need to do that inventory of that quickly, that tenth step, because I know when my temper is rising and I know when I've gotten upset. Okay, so give an example of that to kind of put the where the rubber meets the road. So okay, the uh, one example I've used recently is a few months back, uh, I was going to San Antonio to share my story. And we had rainstorms forecast for our area. And so I'd ask one of my guys if he would come by my house each evening and take the mail out of the mailbox and put it on a box on the porch so it wouldn't get wet. And, of course, he had agreed to do that. And about halfway to Austin, I got a phone call from him, and he was real excited. Man, I just got this opportunity, and I'm going out of town, and I wanted you to know, and then he kind of hung up. And I'm like, what in the hell happened to my mail? <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm driving, it starts to fester, and I go these places like all the stuff I've done for that guy, and I'm out there helping people all the time, and nobody will go by my house and take care of the mail. Yeah, I'm 24 years sober at this time. And I saw a uh, roadside park coming up, and it hit me, and I pulled off the road for a minute, and I said, okay, Pop, keep me from being angry. I looked at what was going on. It was really self-centeredness. And uh, I didn't know an apology because I hadn't called him up and told him what I thought of him. 
but I had a list of people that were new, and I stopped for a minute and made a phone call to a couple of people and encouraged them to come to the meeting that night, let them know I was going to be out of town, and it was gone. And the really weird thing, and it shouldn't be weird anymore, when I got home, my mail was in the box on the porch, and this guy had taken the time to get somebody else to go do it. But there I was driving down the highway getting upset about something that had not happened, and I was out of the fourth dimension. (laughs) I was way out in the future, and the tenth step put me back in. That's an example. I noticed you there. Do you refer to the God of your understanding as Pop? Uh, Pop or Boss. Pop or Boss. And when did, did, have you always done that or did it start recently? Uh, Boss early on, when it talks about there in the step three, you know, we had a new employer. and I realized part of my experience in life is I'd had employers and I'd had bosses, but I'd never paid any attention to them. I'd always been smarter than them, better than them, or trying to some way use them. I'd always been my own boss, if you would. So I took that part of step three very seriously. You know, I've got a new employer. I'm not here to do God's job. I'm here to do God's work, and I still have to to surrender to that pretty often. Mm, I love that. Um, But I got to have a boss. I don't do well self-employed in my own spiritual walk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's another line in the 10th step that is uh, referenced quite often, and you've already kind of uh, uh, talked about it to some degree, but when you hear every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. What does that mean to you? Well, it also goes back to uh, uh, the second chapter, There is a Solution, where it says, Abstinence is but a beginning. A much greater demonstration of these principles, and for me the principles are the steps, lie before us in our respective homes, occupations, and the world at large. I believe that's how it reads. So what that means to me is it's everything. You know, I've got uh, God's will for me is not an itinerary. Uh, It's an attitude. It's not, well, it's God's will for you to marry this person or get this job or go to Sears instead of pennies or whatever. It's an attitude, the way I'm going to try to interact and be a part of society at large today. You know, it's an attitude I want to take with me, and and that's what's always getting tested. If you again go back to page 25, and I'm not trying to confuse folks, I'm trying to say it's a very simple thing. He introduces us on page 25 to what's going to happen. It doesn't say we get new circumstances. It says we get a new attitude about our life. And I need that attitude all the time. You know, uh, when I was working and I happened to live in places where there was traffic, some mornings I could get up and I'm going to work and I've got the correct attitude and all's well with the world. And two days later, some jerk is cutting me off. You know, well, it's the same highway. It's the same traffic. It's the same 
uh, route to work, the only thing that's changed is my attitude. And so I need a 10th step pretty quick so I don't take that attitude into work with me and so I don't start chasing that guy down the highway honking at him or something like <laughs> that. It's not about them. It's about me. And in the 10th step in the 12 and 12, and please, we're not going to go into it a lot, I will promise you I read that 10th step out of the 12 and 12 at least once every three weeks. Maybe more than that. Uh, it's something that we work constantly with, with the people that I sponsor, particularly after they've gotten through the steps as newcomers. We're always on 10 and 11. And it says in that first paragraph, you know, he gives the whole uh, theme of it, you know, uh, he ends up, you know, can we live uh, something? Can we live the good balance and and every area of our life that's the acid test mm -hmm. that's pretty big that's what the tenth step is about so i can have some kind of emotional balance uh, though i hate that as a topic or something in meetings because it comes to therapeutic or psychobabble stuff but that's what we're about yeah my sponsor sentenced me to that 12 and 12 10th step i can't believe how many times and and that party says in there you know anytime now, anytime doesn't need a dictionary for me. That means anytime that I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And I used to want to argue about that and what my experience has been. And thank God I've had sponsorship that didn't tell me what my experience was going to be. But they kept me involved in our program until I experienced it. What's wrong with me is that I'm the seat of the disturbance. It's inside of me. It's not that I'm right and they're wrong or they're wrong and I'm right. This isn't about blame in a spiritual walk. It's I'm disturbed. I've got to find some way of having the disturbance uh, quelled, if you will. And I can't depend on the other person changing so I'll be okay. And that's what I look for in the 10th step. And if I can make one more yeah. statement here, the uh, I'll hear people all the time saying things like, don't pray for patience. God will give you a test. And I, I think that's just some corny BS stuff. Uh, Bill doesn't mention patience very often in our book. When he does, thank God, it's usually for the family or the employer to be patient with us. Mm. But in that 10th step, in the 12 and 12, he gives us an action. And the 12 and 12 has very few actions. It's mostly explanation. But other than prayer, it has very few actions. But in the 10th step, he gives us an action. And it's not patience, it's restraint. I love that word because it tells me I'm going to have all of those emotions. I'm going to get PO'd. I'm going to get scared. I'm going to know lust. I'm going to know, but I have to restrain myself, mainly of pen and tongue. And I tell my people today and of Facebook and of emails, just don't write that junk. Uh, restrain yourself until you can surrender to the actions of the 10th step. Very well said. 
All right. Well, as usual, who knows where we're going to go when we start these things here, right? <laughs> and I love that it is. I mean, it genuinely is like sitting down with you and uh, I've got my coffee. You've got your drink. Uh, I don't know what's in there. Uh, is that a like a soda or something like that? It is. Uh, caffeine-free diet soda. Diet soda. And so anyway, it's uh, I always have a good time with you. So let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up there. And maybe next time we come back, we can start on the 11th step. Does that sound good? <laughs> that sounds good. I thought we were going to get through both of them then. But one thing I don't practice restraint of too much is talking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good, Gary. It's a gift. And that's why people want to listen to you. So I love it. Page 164 out of the big book says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit. And you will surely meet some of us like me and Mr. Gary, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, Mr. Gary, thank you for stopping by. Thank you. Restraint of tongue and pen. Thank you, Gary Kay, for that reminder. I personally needed that today. I needed to hear that. Um, maybe some of you out there listening needed to hear that today as well. If that episode was, if it meant something to you, special to you, and you want to take some time to pause your device and hit that share button, share it maybe with a, a family member or a friend, uh, it would be most appreciated. You never know. It may be just what somebody else needs to hear today. All right. Now on to a little bit of listener de la feedback. All right. Here we come in from, here we have one. Our first one is from Rebecca from New Zealand regarding the previous episode. Uh, Andrew A. That is episode number 115. It is Andrew A. entitled Baya Con Dios. Once again, I hope I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. And Rebecca says, Kia Ora, John. Apparently that's a thing over there in New Zealand. Uh, she says, thanks for Andrew's story. I got a lot out of it. It's great to hear the raw honesty from someone who has gone through so much and how they apply the program in their lives. I had to laugh at the term, quote, functional alcoholic, unquote. I've th I've always thought that to be an oxymoron as well. Smiley face. Uh, naga, oops, na, namihi, uh, she's, she's telling me how to pronounce this word. It's N-G-A- M-I-H-I, -I, and I think I've been pronouncing it, pronouncing it Naga Mihi, but apparently the G is silent. Thank you, Rebecca. She says, I've done well with the Kia Aura, though. Well, thank you. Anyway, so it's a uh, Na Mihi. So Na Mihi, back out to you, Miss Rebecca, in New Zealand, and for all the other New Zealanders 
Is that how you say a bunch of New Zealand people, New Zealanders? Anyway, for all you New Zealand folks that are listening in, and thank you for writing in, Rebecca T. Uh, Mariah writes in, hope I'm pronouncing that right, M-I-R-I-A-H. <clears throat> she writes in also regarding the Andrew A. episode. She says, hi, John. I'm uh, My name is Mariah. I'm a grateful alcoholic. I loved this episode with Andrew. I am in the process of getting a protection order against my mom. She has caused me so much heartache and headaches in my lifetime that I just couldn't do it anymore. Anyway, hearing Andrew speak about his trauma and healing really helped me. I learned that I have been healing and I am accepting my situation for what it is. I can tell my story without caring what others' opinions are of me. Thank you, Andrew, for your insight on trauma and healing and acceptance. So once again, folks, if you hadn't listened to that episode, the one right before this one, Andrew A., you may want to check it out. Uh, it's a really good episode. David R. writes in, he says, hello, John, I'm David. I'm 34 years old, living in San Jose, California. Do you know the way to San Jose? That's about all I know. Anyway, living in San Jose, California with 104 days of sobriety. It's my first time listening to podcasts in general, and I'm so glad I found your channel and I am getting so much from it. Triple exclamation point. Well, thank you, David. I'm glad you found us as well. And I'm glad we can be of service. Very glad we can be of service. That's what we're here for. If, John, you could please add me to your secret Facebook group, I'd really appreciate it. My email is such and such. Thank you for all you do. God bless one day at a time, David R. And God bless you, David R. Right back at you one day at a time. And I know you're in that Facebook group, and I'm so glad you made it in. Matthew writes in and he says, hello, John, I am currently on day two. Wow. Day two of being sober this time around. I have been listening to this podcast either while at the coffee shop or driving my car to my meeting between meetings. I have been journaling and searching for different Facebook groups to join regarding sobriety. I am very appreciative of this podcast as it puts me at ease when my anxiety is high and I have a craving for a drink. I've come to realize that drinking is trouble for me. I have this time come to grips with my drinking, and I want to remain sober for me and my partner. I can no longer drink and have to remain sober because of my medications I take as well. Thank you so much for the podcast, and God bless. And And Matthew sent me a picture of him and his partner, a handsome couple there. And thank you for sending that in, Matthew, and God bless you and your journey. Keep me posted. I know you said day two when you wrote, wrote in, and that's probably a few days after you wrote that. I pray to God you're on day five or so right now. Anyway, Megan writes in and she says, John, thank you for the secret Facebook invite. I really appreciate it. Well, you're quite welcome, Megan. I've been listening to Sober Speak for a while now, and I've listened to almost every episode, and I think I'm going to listen to a few of them over again. I thank God for you and this podcast, and some days because it was sometimes 
some days because it was sometimes the only thing to get me through the days because listening while I was listening to them at work. I work a very tedious and repetitious job, so it can drive you crazy some nights. Plus, I used to use and drink at work. So thank you for all you've done. I'm glad God sees fit to work through you to help so many people like me in recovery. Oh, Megan, you you made my day. That's so sweet. Anyway, she says, anyway, my name is Megan. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. My sobriety date is 211. 2019. Wait a sec. We're not on to 11, 2019 yet. Um, maybe that's supposed to be 11, 2, 2019. Uh, wait a sec. We're not. Oh, wait a minute. 2, 11, 2019. I'm so, I'm so sorry, Megan. We are, we're in 2020 yet. Yes. Yes. It's almost a year. Oh, and for that, I'm so grateful. My apologies, Megan. Anyway, she goes, Oh, weird. <laughs> I will be celebrating my year next month. (laughs) Oh, I'm such a doofus. I am such a doofus. Anyway, and I want you to know this podcast has literally helped me get, has has helped me get here along with God's prayers and AA as a whole. I tell my friends about this podcast every chance I get because it's that important to me. And I feel it will help others like it has helped me. Oh, I hope you can continue to do what you're doing for as long as God sees you, sees you fit to do it. And thank you again for the Facebook invite, Megan. Oh, that's such a sweet letter. Megan, thank you so much. And God bless you in your journey and, and happy almost one year birthday. Tony G writes in. Tony. Tony says, hello, John M. I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm 40 years old. I'm an alcoholic. I started drinking in college and like most of us got progressively worse. I had always been a very functional alcoholic or so I thought at least. I had a great job, career, family, never missed work, volunteered, active, etc. Well, Fast forward many years and my wife cheated on me with my best friend at the time and then filed for divorce after. Wow. My life was a train wreck when I was all alone and I hit the alcohol even harder for a few days after all of this. Anyway, I finally got serious about addressing the issue in March of 2018 in an effort to save my life and being able to win over a split custody of my kids. I started attending AA meetings several times each week, had a counselor, got back to my faith in God, and started attending daily mass as much as I could. Shortly after, uh uh-oh, I stopped attending AA meetings because I didn't think they were helpful to me and I could never find the right group or people. I still managed to stay sober and made it eight months surprisingly. Then I found out some devastating personal information about my ex and my previous marriage and I couldn't sleep that night and I said, screw it. And I'm getting a bottle of liquor. Well, this relapse sent me down a path of drinking for a day or two, and then sober for a week, drinking for two days, sober for five days, drinking for three days, sober for two weeks, etc. Every time I did drink, the amount kept getting larger. Fast forward nine months to the present day, and I am sick of being this way. I started listening to your podcast nonstop, and I'm attending my very first AA meeting in 15 months this weekend. Wish me luck. Well, God 
bless you. I think you wrote this to me last week, and I sure hope to God that you made it to that meeting, and I hope things are going well now. I'm on day five now and feeling great, but still doubt I can make it. Your show has made me realize that I need AA or a similar 12-step group in my life. Every time I try to do it on my own, I fail and I can't sustain it. I'm done with this. I'm ready to get back to life. Thanks for all you do and how powerful your show is. Please pray for me that I can do it this time. God bless Tony G. Well, Tony, as you know, I wrote back and uh, you are in my prayers. And uh, uh, I just pray that once again, uh, you are getting back on the right track and uh, sounds like you're doing all the right things. Helen posted in the super secret Facebook group. She said, John, I'm doing, uh, no, she, she just posted this. She didn't address it to me at all. She just said this. It was real short and to the point and I absolutely loved it. And it said, step four work tomorrow. I can think of nicer things to be doing, but not better things, exclamation point. And I absolutely love that. I thought that was a great way to sum it up and uh, couldn't agree more. There are nicer things to do than step four work, but not always better things. So thanks for writing that in the, in the Facebook group. All right. So I have another, this is a story. Uh, uh, this is from our, uh, the gentleman named Steve in our secret Facebook group. I call him the daily reflections guy. He is constantly putting, uh, snippets from the big book, big book in the group. And then he kind of explains his thoughts on it afterwards. And people are commenting on all the uh, commenting on commenting on it all the time. And then he wrote this, uh, this last week and he says, our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now, page 58. And then he went on to write a little bit more. I've had alcoholic thinking, restless, irritable, and discontented for for as long as I can remember. Since early childhood, the world was too big and I was too small. Worse, I thought I was the only one who felt this way. I limped through life. Then I discovered the magical effects produced by alcohol. I didn't feel big, but I was less small. I felt like I was enough. I could fit in. So as long as I was tipsy, so, so long as I was tipsy, but from the earliest, I overshot the mark as soon and soon enough. That was what I aimed for. Oblivion. Alcohol was a good friend till it turned on me. Once I started drinking, I had little control over the amount I drank. Also, I continued irrationally to convince myself I was in control and would be more care careful next time I partook. I like that word, partook. Eventually, Alcohol began to get the best of me. Alcohol became my master. Alcohol became more important than my career, my wife, and even my many children. I didn't see it at the time, but I was surely licked. I was suicidal. I planned to take my own life. Dad had 11 years earlier with a shotgun in the woods, but God had other plans. In time, I realized my finding the 12 steps of AA on the eve of my, fin my final self-destruction was not accidental, but was indeed a miraculous work of God. The following day, I went to a meeting. I stayed eight years. 
It had worked. I was sober. I was happy. I was free. I had learned the love of God and the healthy, authentic love of self. I felt so great that I believed I had cured my alcoholism. I chose to drink again. My relapse lasted over six years. Slowly, my emotional state faltered, my spiritual health degraded, my mindset grew increasingly insane. The bitter morass of self-pity overtook me. I was again suicidal. I was contemplating leaping from my four-story balcony, but reason prevailed, and I realized four stories would likely not kill me, but but instead maim me. I returned to AA, broken, lost, hopeless. I redoubled my efforts, conceding to my innermost self that I was alcoholic, 100% alcoholic, 100% powerless. I used the group, the principles, AA itself as my higher power, as my relationship with God was strained. It worked. I got a sponsor, worked the steps, started sponsoring others. Within months, I felt better. I got a new mindset. My my smile returned and my eyes opened. At two years sober, I suffered another setback, a combination of insane codependent relationships, a, a relationship, and my selfish independence caused me to leave AA rather than admit my wrongs. Apart from the fellowship, I was drinking in less than three weeks. And so the lessons of my relapse were that I must admit and embrace my absolute 100% powerlessness. I must help others, one to another, carrying our message, and I must stay, quote, in the herd, unquote. Unity and fellowship are requirements for my continued sanity and sobriety. Today, I am happy. I have an amazing job. I have hundreds of acquaintances, dozens of close friends. I live in a brand new, quiet, clean apartment. I have self-respect. I have purpose, helping others. The result, happiness. I love God and God loves me. I am 100% sober today as the the direct result of our steps and traditions and 100% faithful that I'm on the right path. As he always ends up with, help one, save two, and then he ended it up with, what's your story? And some other people replied, I don't have time to read all of them uh, at this sitting, but uh, I thought that was uh, absolutely fantastic, and I'm so glad Steve shared that in the secret Facebook group. All right, everybody. So that is the end of listener feedback for this week. Um, I will most likely be back next week. Um, As I always say, one episode at a time. God bless you. Love you. Thank you for letting me be part of your journey. Thank you for letting me be part of your life. Adios.